whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Okay, guys, welcome to the Real Citizen Podcast. Today, we have a special guest with us, Leslie Dice, who's going to be joining us to talk about Avengers Endgame. Um, Leslie and I know each other from Harry Potter trivia um, last summer in 2018. Um, Leslie, thank you so much for being with me today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. So how are you uh, kind of connected with the MCU? How did you kind of become a fan of the Avengers and that whole lore that goes with it? So I actually started with the first Avengers movie. So the Avengers movie came out on my birthday or the day before my birthday in 2012. So we went as kind of like a, what do we want to do to celebrate my birthday? Let's go see this movie. I've never seen anything about it. So we went and saw Avengers and I was like, oh my gosh, I love this. I have to see all the other movies. So that was when Blockbuster was still a thing. So we rented them from Blockbuster and watched Iron Man and all the ones that came before it. And since then, I think I have seen every single one either on opening day or within three days of opening as like part of my birthday present because they almost all come out on my birthday or at least within 48 hours. That's that's like the best kind of birthday present. I know. It's so sweet of them to think of me. Which and that kind of like that kind of speaks to like how exciting this movie is for people because this movie came out this past Thursday night, Friday. Um, and so we're going to get to like dive in and kind of digest that and talk about it. And like, obviously, you know, it being a reward for people because that's 22 movies. And like you just said, like you have been through it all and you've seen every single movie like this is very much a reward for people absolutely 22 is a lot of movies for all of us to pay tickets and sit through so we're gonna get into it and kind of start talking about it um so the first big thing that we're gonna do is we're gonna walk through that non-spoiler review um so what were some major takeaways from the movie without spoiling anything what were some things that you can kind of walk away from no spoilers. That's so hard. Um, <laughs> it is just such a good movie. I think that it is, It like you said, it's just such a, like, a thank you to the fans for sitting through this many movies. It was totally worth it. Um, I just felt like the whole time I wanted to just like cheer or clap or there were so many emotions that went through the whole thing. So without giving any spoilers away, I think that's the most I can say is it's an emotionally like draining movie and really good. Yeah, I 100% feel that because it, even throughout the movie, I kept, I wanted to have these like physical reactions of standing up or clapping or like bursting into tears or anything yeah. like that. Uh, I just, I consistently felt like, wow, this is just, it makes me proud to be a fan of this. Absolutely. Um, and and with that, it we're taking away so much, obviously, with with this movie, it's the end of an era for a lot of characters and actors. And um, again, without giving too much away, who were some of your favorite characters or spotlighted moments um, with these characters? Or who was your favorite actor that really came and represented? I have been asked who my favorite Avenger actor and character is. And I (laughs) struggle to pick a favorite. Uh, But I do think, especially after this movie, 
Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr. He just does such an amazing job with this character. And like no one else could have played Iron Man and Tony Stark. And I think the same goes for this movie. You know, it just exactly. starts off with a bang and he, he did a wonderful job. He really, he brought every bit of acting prowess or anything that he had to this movie. And it, I, I completely agree. I think that he was pitch perfect casting in every single way. And we'll get into more details here in a little bit, but I, I totally agree with you on that. Um, so out of 10 of what your snap score would be like one being the lowest snap, like only having one snap and 10 being the highest, what would you give this movie? I think that I would give it an eight and a half to nine. Okay. And we can get into where that one to one and a half is uh, once we are allowed to talk spoilers and get towards the end. Yes, definitely. So I'm I'm excited to kind of dive in there because I think this movie answers a lot of questions, but then again, it's also still an MCU movie, so it's not going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to have the that comic book, that kind of comic book flair with it. Um, and so to kind of wrap up um, the non-spoiler conversation, um, just as a reminder, once we get into spoilers, there is no going back. So if you have not seen this movie, um, and if you have not participated in the conversations surrounding <laughs> Avengers Endgame, when it comes to spoilers, go ahead, hit pause, go see the movie, run to your nearest movie theater, get a bag of popcorn, sit down, watch it, and then come back and we can get into the discussion, kind of the play-by-play of the whole movie. Uh, But in the meantime, um, we are about to go into spoiler territory, so I warn against it fully. Um, But in the meantime, we'll go ahead and we'll dive into it. So kind of to start our spoiler review, um, kind of your biggest shock moment. What was kind of the biggest thing, Leslie, that you, when it happened on screen, you were like, oh my gosh, that didn't happen. That can't happen. Oh, I think that in terms of like biggest emotional reaction, even though I knew it was going to happen because of course it was when everyone came back and they kind of did the, you know, on your left and he comes through and that was probably the biggest, like, this is the best thing I've ever seen to see all of them on screen and like show up that way was just like chills all over. Loved it. Um, and the whole battle sequence was amazing, but starting it off that way, like you could see Thanos is like, Oh, Oh, what did I just get into? Like, <laughs> like, oh my God, they came to play. Yeah. He's like, oh, I thought this was going to be easy. Yeah. And I think, I think that's something that I forgot for a brief moment that Thanos had never fought these guys before. Mm-hmm. Like in this timeline, Thanos had just met them. Like he hadn't gone through the infinity war part yet. So it was like that moment just was like this moment of shock. And I had to remind myself that wait, Thanos, this is like the first time that he's going to be fighting them. Yes. Um, the timeline thing is another thing that's a little bit, mm. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, you don't know them, you do know them. So you're right. That's a good reminder is that he really was just like, oh, I really overshot this. Yeah. Like, wow. I really, really thought that they were going to be a little bit easier, but we'll go ahead and, and start with uh, the kind of the play by play. So the movie opens with Hawkeye. And this is probably the most emotional way to open a movie because usually these MCU movies start with kind of either a shot of the villain or kind of a like a preamble to like get us started and where we are. 
And this was a really, this was a hard hit because Mm -hmm. Hawkeye, we see him with his family um, having a picnic on their big old farm, which, dang, I wish I could have a farm like that. (laughs) (laughs) um, I don't know what government salary he's working with, but (laughs) how is he affording this? I, that's like, is he getting paid while he's on hazard? Like we obviously see the, the ankle bracelet, like he's not working. <laughs> um, but we see him teaching his daughter how to, uh, or teaching his daughter archery and practicing and, um, I guess kind of prepping her for, for, I guess a life of being an archer. <laughs> um, and then we see his boys playing catch, which ends up being a callback later in the movie, but then we have this moment of he turns around and then we we notice that things have gone quiet and everyone suddenly realizes and i don't know about you like it, there were audible gasps when that yeah. happened yeah absolutely i was just like no not all of them like no one lost everyone and then hawkeye loses his whole family i was like this is an aggressive start to the movie i'm already crying and it's been four minutes yeah and it, it definitely set me up with the expectation of like oh hawkeye's gonna die or he's gonna like go crazy which in a lot of rumors and things that were before the movie there were there was a lot of talk of hawkeye being ronin or becoming ronin in this movie yeah. Um, and I think going into it, everyone had that expectation because we saw it in the trailers that he's like essentially gone dark and is just like murdering people now. Um, and so to see the movie really set that up and explain, okay, you're going to see a different Hawkeye, I I think was, it was a really emotional way to start the movie, but I think it was kind of a perfect way to start it. And it was very interesting to literally pick up where we left off from Infinity Wars. There was no time jump, like nothing. It literally picks up from the post-credit scene of Infinity exactly. War and just keeps going. So that's interesting too. Yeah, absolutely. And and we get to see in the next scene kind of moving. And I want to definitely note that the um, credits for the opening credits, we're used to hearing that Avengers theme song, but instead they decided to go with basically the the jams from Star-Lord's playlist, which I thought yeah. was a really interesting choice. I think Star-Lord's playlist is, it kind of like stands on its own. Everyone knows it, even if they've only seen like one or two movies. So mm-hmm. it kind of brings together all of them. Yeah, it definitely is kind of a callback to like, oh, hey, just a reminder of where we're going to find Iron Man and Nebula, which oh, it kind of, the music fades into that scene and we, are quickly reminded that, oh yeah, they're in deep space. Like they didn't, they weren't on earth when they fought Thanos. Um, which I, that whole scene. And I think the way that Robert Downey Jr. portrayed a basically starving Tony was really emotional. I like, I thought he made, and I knew that they eventually he was going to make it out, but I kind of was in the mindset of like, oh wow, he may die. I did too. When Nebula like sits him up in the chair in the front, I was like, I can't believe this is how Iron Man's going to go. Like I just, mm-hmm. it, he deserves better than this was really my <laughs> thought. Like we cannot do this too, this early in the movie. I'm not ready, but thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah thankfully someone shows up yes. <laughs> um, and we see um, Captain Marvel in this light. And I'm sure if Tony was not so, emaciated at that time he probably would have had like a clever joke about like the light coming towards him or something right um but he really I mean he's at his last leg he's 
he's really not doing great. <laughs> and we see Captain Marvel basically show up and fly the ship without being in the ship, fly him back um, to Avengers HQ. Yeah, she, I mean, I was waiting for her to come and I'm glad she made such an early appearance. Yeah, exactly. And there was rumors kind of going around that Pepper Potts was actually going to be the one who rescued Tony in the rescue suit because Gwyneth Paltrow posted like years ago when they were still filming her in a green suit, which we end up seeing, we end up seeing the proof of that later on. But I kind of had the mindset of like, if anybody's going to like save him, it's going to be Pepper. I also would just like to say about Gwyneth Paltrow, she has spoiled a few plot points from this movie, but she does not get the flack that Tom Holland does. I completely agree. I think we need to have a bigger conversation about Gwyneth Paltrow and how she can get away with it. Yes. (laughs) And like Mark Ruffalo got like roasted on all the talk shows, but I'm sitting here. I'm like Gwyneth Paltrow literally posted a picture of her in a siege, like in a motion caption capture suit and no one talked about it. No. And she also said before Infinity War came out, she said, you know, Tony and Pepper are at a different point in their lives. They're married. They have a child. And then Infinity War comes out and I'm like, they're not married with a child. And then come to this movie and you're like, oh, so she spoiled that years ago. Yeah. It's it's kind of a shock to me that they kind of let that go. But Hey, I mean, Marvel, do what you want. You got enough money to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, if you run Goop, you get away with whatever you want. Yeah. I I just need to run my own company and get cast in a Marvel movie, and I can just start, like, spoiling things right and left. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that being said, we see the moment where they land, and we basically get introduced now to the relationships between these characters because this is the first time – Tony and Captain America have seen each other since Civil War. Which is crazy. Yeah, which I forgot about that for a moment until I see the looks that they exchange. And I think that's a really great performance from both Chris Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. Because I, I, I completely forgot that they were not together for Infinity War. Yeah, because they were fighting in two different locations. And man, was Tony mad. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, And so how did, when that kind of, when, when Tony was, had that IV drip um, and like, how did that, like that moment for you, like what, what was going through your head through with all of that? For me, I was just, I kind of just wanted him to like, let it go and move on. Like we've reached this point where Cap was fighting, you were fighting in a different location. You both were trying to you know, defeat Thanos, he showed up and then you're still going to kind of be a brat about it. Like, yes, Mm -hmm. you guys lost and you lost massively and, you know, it's a big deal, but at the same, like he did, he showed up. And when you called, he showed, well, when you call, when Thor called from your cell phone, he showed up. (laughs) Um, So I just felt like he kind of should have let it go. Like there were bigger fish to fry at that point. Exactly. Like you're both grown men. Come on. Yes. Um, and we get some really classic lines and we get a lot of callbacks to Age of Ultron, which I think was a habit throughout this whole movie. I watched Age of Ultron the night before I went to go see um, Endgame. And I was genuinely surprised at how many moments I was like, wow, that's word for word what happened in Age of Ultron, where he said, 
I wanted to put, I, what, I forgot what the word was. Like I wanted to put a shield around the world yes. and him saying that I immediately sat there and go, Oh my God, maybe he has a reason to be angry. But then there's definitely that realization of wait a second, but this happened weeks, days ago, like this, that y'all need to move on. Like, yeah, I, that's how I felt is like, I understood like that snap reaction to be upset with your friend, but at the same time, y'all have to try to save the world again. So could you get it together? Exactly. Exactly. Grow up a little bit. (laughs) Um, and so then we see, obviously Tony is now getting to the point where he's just not he can't fight. He can't do anything. He's basically out of the game at that point. Um, and so they decide that, or they hear that Thanos has used the stones again. And I, my kind of question in that moment was like, what did he use the stones for? Like what else could he want to do yes, other than destroy the stones? 50% of the entire universe. What else could he want to do? Yeah. What else was on his to-do list in that garden? Like, <laughs> And Nebula's sitting there and she hasn't brought any of this up yet. Like, girl, like, you know exactly where he is. Let's let's go ahead and get this out in the open. Like, yeah, just poking um, in the corners and looking at everybody. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so we we see everybody basically suit up and they go into deep space to go find Thanos, which it I felt like that moment was very rushed. Like it was very much like Oh, no thought. But then I had to realize, like, this is a three-hour movie. We have places to go, people to see. Like, let's get it going. And they killed Thanos. Immediately. Like, we're (laughs) 20 minutes into the movie. I I was shocked. Yeah, like, I don't understand. Like, I – and I was surprised that Thor was the one to do it. You know, I think that Thor has just been through so much at this point that he's just mad and he, he's got all that thunder and lightning going through him. And so I understand that just, I need to do something. We're not going to get the stone. So I might as well just chop off his head. Exactly. I, I feel like of all of the Avengers, he's definitely the one with the most that has been lost in the context yes. of like, he's lost his home planet. He's lost his people. I think I read somewhere where only like a fourth of the Asgardians are left in that new town of new Asgard, which we'll get to in a little bit, but like he has lost everything. I know. Both of his parents over the course, Loki, like he's just Jane, you know, they broke up. So, (laughs) which I I have questions about Natalie Portman, but we'll, we'll get to that when she shows up later in the movie. Um, But I think that moment I kind of sat there and I was like, he, he did say to go for the head, but you're a little late on the, on the game, buddy. Like just a month late here, bro. Yeah. You, you know, a little walking a little slow there. Um, but I definitely think that I, I think that was a really interesting moment to put at the front end of this movie. Um, and in the big picture of everything, it it works, but it definitely kind of shocked me a little bit. Um, and so then we have walking into the time jump, um, coming up and what were your feelings seeing that five years later time card come up I audibly gasped um thankfully it was in a movie theater full of people who also gasped um (laughs) because I was like wait they didn't fix it like I thought we were gonna like change scenes and like they were gonna go off and I kind of had an idea that they were eventually gonna get the infinity stones at some point and try and go back and stop him that's what I thought was gonna happen so I was like wait we just jumped five years and they don't have infinity stones. Like, wh- 
what are we doing? Where's this going? I was very confused. Yeah. And I feel like in that moment, I, and it had kind of been spoiled for me of like, there's going to be multiple time jumps. Like a friend told me that. And I was like, I don't think that's right. Like I heard that they're going to time travel, but like, why would they do a time jump? And then seeing it on screen, essentially, I was like, how are they going to pull this off? Like, what is everyone doing? Yeah, what if, yeah, exactly. What have they been doing for five years if they still haven't solved this problem? Yeah. And then I think they, it was a really clever way of showing Black Widow running S.H.I.E.L.D., basically being Nick, the Nick Fury of this universe and yeah. getting to see Okoye and Captain Marvel and seeing some of these other characters kind of stepping up and acting as the people that they lost was really, it was a really interesting moment because I was like, Oh, okay, well they're trying. Um, and this is completely superficial, but of all those people she had supporting her, no one told her to cut the blondes and the blonde ends off of her red hair. uh, And not (laughs) only that, the blonde was too high up on her head. So obviously she had to have got like, unless her hair grows in unevenly, she had to have gone and gone to somebody. Yeah, like she took ombre like really far. Yeah, and it and not only that, it's still like fresh blonde. So it's yeah. I just I don't understand Black Widow. Get it together. Yeah, let's keep going with the hair. She looks beautiful with red hair. Let's just stay there. Yeah, she should have just chopped it anyway. Lower maintenance, whatever. She <laughs> just she just needed help, and no one helped her. <laughs> A team full of superheroes, and no one could save her. I know, and clearly Marvel's running out getting haircuts, so take her with you. Exactly. Like, obviously, she went to somebody who knew what they were doing. Yes. Um, And so I I think in that moment, and I think that actually comes after um, the scene where we get Ant-Man back. um, Yeah. Which, and I wanted to take a little bit more time to talk about that, because that was a really emotional moment, realizing that it, and he says it later on, but he had only been gone for five hours. I cannot fathom that. You think you're gone for five hours and you come back and the world has completely changed, like beyond comprehension changed. And not only like, and you're basically, you wake up in a storage unit after being thrown out of a van and then only to realize that not only is half the population gone, but you don't know who survived and who didn't. And you have a very young daughter that you have no idea where she is. Oh gosh, it I can't imagine. And then when he was running and trying to read all of the names, like my heart just I was again probably the second cry of the movie. Exactly. And to see him see his name cuz I fully expected him to see Cassie. Fully mm-hmm. expected that. But to see him see his own name was shocking. I know. And then obviously he runs to go, like he doesn't see Cassie's name. So he runs to go find her. And then she opens the door and she's a grown woman. Like he's missed her entire childhood. Imagine her feeling because she's probably like, wait, all those people disappeared. But now my dad is back. Does that mean everyone else can come back? You know, that's kind of the thought that I would have in her position of, okay, so he came back. So where is everyone else? Like, can't we just get them from there? Yeah, and and it makes me wonder, like, what happened to her mom? What happened to her stepdad? Like, did they disappear too? And is that having – like, that's an emotional thing for a kid. Mm -hmm. She's still, like, a teenager. Like, for her to go through that, um, it was – and it was kind of a moment after I left the movie theater and I was thinking back to that 
there's been a lot of rumors that we are going to see Cassie take over the mantle as Ant-Man in the future. And so this is kind of posing her to kind of catch up in age, um, which I don't know if I believe it, but we'll It would make sense. Anything is possible in the MCU, if you believe. <laughs> if you believe in your dreams, yes. <laughs> then you will make them come true. Um, but I think that was a very interesting moment to see that play out on screen and then him basically come back and be like, I'm just going to go back to Avengers HQ. I think I can make this happen. I think that and, – and then explaining what's happened to Captain Marvel – or not Captain Marvel, Captain America and Black Widow – to see him explaining that to them and they're basically like, what? <laughs> you sound crazy, sir. Yeah. Like, and as if it's, as if it's not possible that a crazy thing like a quantum realm could exist. I know and, all the things they've gone through in 22 movies and that's the one that they don't believe. Yeah. And then I love Black Widow's line where she was like, I get emails from a raccoon. So like, we'll, <laughs> <laughs> like, we'll just go with it. That is true. And so seeing them kind of take that and start running with it um, and they go to Tony, which obviously that would be my first pick is to go to a, a mechanical engineer and, and billionaire playboy philanthropist. I would a hundred percent go to him if I was just like, Hey, I want to build a time machine. Absolutely. He's your guy. Yeah. And, and seeing them show up and, I loved the moment where we know where Tony is kind of, he's like obviously retired by a lake, but he's walking up to this little tent and I fully, I was fully prepared. I was like, it's going to be a little boy. It's going to be a little boy. But then I, after this little girl crawls out, I'm like, Oh my God, that's Morgan Stark. Like that's, she's in the comics. Like we've read about this little girl and to see him as a dad, I just got crushed my heart. Like, I know. It was the absolute best. He was the cutest dad that I have ever seen. Like the whole, it was just, it had chills and it was just the, just warmed my whole heart. And it was adorable when he basically was just like your mother, your mother, your mother never wears anything I buy her. And she's like like an Iron Man helmet. I'm like, dude, like (laughs) that's I, I would, love that. Like, what What if she, like, went somewhere in her Iron Man? Like, you can't just let the baby play with Iron Man. Yeah, Morgan Stark as a teenager is basically going to be just, I'm running around in my dad's Iron Man suit. Yes, exactly. I would 100% do it. But um, I think that moment was I, I, such a humanizing moment for Tony Stark because we don't really get a lot of those in his arc. We haven't had moments where we're like, wow, this guy has a future where – this guy's really good person. We see some glimpses of it in the context of the larger world and that he wants to be um, kind of this protection around the world, but we've never had a moment where he has this little, this little piece of heaven that he wants to fight for. And I think it was beautiful. Yes. One thing though, that I kind of didn't like about that scene, the whole scene where they come to Tony is they all get out of the car and Morgan seems like she doesn't know them. There's no connection. And that really made me sad because I felt like that was the time that they should have been really leaning on each other. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like the other Avengers just didn't really know Morgan and there was no relationship there. Like Tony had really walled himself off from the rest of them. And that kind of made me sad. Cause I would have loved to see them come. And it's like, you know, like 
Aunt Steve Rod or Uncle Steve Rogers and like Aunt Black Widow. Like I would have loved to see something like that. And I kind of was sad that that didn't happen. Yeah. And I think he was still so familiar with them that if it had been like, hey, haven't seen you in a long time, like I feel like that would have made that sting a little bit easier. But it still was kind of one of those things of like, oh, okay. Like I feel like you guys have been in contact recently, but yet. Tony has never introduced his daughter to these people that he literally fought beside um, for years, for a year, for a decade. Yeah. Um, or for, in this case, I think it would be like 15 years. Um, yeah. Since we did the time jump. Yeah. So I, that's, it was definitely a sad moment. Um, and so obviously Tony turns them down, turns them away. Like you can stay for lunch if you don't talk shop. Um, is what <laughs> I did he like says. that line. Yeah, like typical Tony fashion, like glad that he hasn't lost that in all of his bitterness. And uh, then he refers to saving the world as talking shop. Yeah, like that's basically his job at that point. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I, I think it's that moment kind of just it reminded me of like, oh, I really love this man. Um, yes. And then they essentially go to the next best thing, which is Bruce Banner. But in this case, he's turned into Professor Hulk um, that we see in the comics, but he has the brain of Bruce Banner, but the body of the Hulk. I love that. So I have not seen that in the comics. I haven't read like a ton of them. And that to me was a total surprise. And I loved it. I think it took a lot of people by like in general by surprise because like that's a commitment as not only an actor, like we saw it in Thor Ragnarok, but it's a commitment for Mark Ruffalo to be literally sitting in his motion capture capture suit to film all of these movies. Um, it's such a commitment for him. And I just think that that's kind of hilarious to me that he now is just has his voice and I can't unsee all of the movies prior to this point where the Hulk has that like growly, um, yeah, kind of roar voice, and now it's just Mark Ruffalo being like, "Hey guys, what's up?" Like, wanted to get a selfie. Just his normal voice, and it just does not match. I think that's why I got such a kick out of it. You're like, "Wait, what? <laughs> You're not growling, and you can say full sentences now?" Yeah, you can actually like acknowledge that people are humans, and you can't eat them. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and he's clearly really good at social media. Um, he's king of the selfie. So, yeah. does he have an Instagram? Can I follow? <laughs> I hope so. Uh, but I think that moment when they're sitting at lunch, and then Ant Man's just like, "Do you want to get a? Do you want to get a picture with me? Like, do you? I'm Ant Man." <laughs> and they're like, "Who? Who is Ant Man?" And I feel like those kids, I kind of thought to myself, are those kids related to anyone in the crew or like, are they extras? And I tried to find out, but I couldn't find anywhere online because they looked too comfortable with that exchange of like, oh, I felt like it was like Paul Rudd's kids or something. Yeah, that like would not bigger joke. me. Yeah. That would be hilarious. And I, I'm going to figure that out at some point. If anyone listening to this knows that, please let us know. Yes, we are on the end of our seats waiting. <laughs> that's the that's phase four's big secret or who those yeah. are. <laughs> who are the kids? <laughs> um, and that kind of leads into now Professor Hulk is or Hulk and Bruce Banner are um, kind of sitting with us now for the rest of the ride. We now have them on board and he basically convinces them to try out the um, what was once the van and retry it as a vortex into the quantum realm to try to um, I think he said that he was sending him back a week. Is that right? I think he's, yeah, he said, or no, he said he was going to send him back. 
I don't remember how long he said he was going to send him back to, but that he would stay there for a week and then come back. Okay. And then they would bring him back like 10 seconds later. Okay. Yeah. I was like making sure because I, I didn't remember. And I think that moment of seeing Paul Rudd is not only a baby, but an old man is the only time we're ever going to see Paul Rudd age. That is true. What has that man done to never age? And I, I genuinely am concerned because I'm like, what did he do? Like, did he, did he exchange his soul for something? Yeah. Like I, I saw, um, a Twitter meme or something and it was comparing like a really terrible actor to Paul Rudd and the terrible actor like looked so old and Paul Rudd looks like, and they're like, see, just be a good person. And you get to look like Paul Rudd. And I was like, that works. He's just a gem of a human. He's just the sweetheart of Hollywood and I'm fully yeah. behind whatever, whatever he needs from us to succeed. I'll, I'll support it. Um, yes. Paul Rudd, if you ever listen to this big fans. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, and, and seeing that like kind of moment of like, oh wow, they're really not going to be able to pull this off. There was just a genuine moment of, okay, yeah, you need, you need Tony on this. Mm-hmm. And that kind of leads into the moment where Tony is sitting playing with his um, computer, his uh, hologram computer, which I want. I want one of those in my living room. Sign me up. Where do we get one? I think it would cost a billion dollars. We'll get it <laughs> from Marvel. Um, they probably already invented it. But he's sitting there and he's playing with these loops. And basically, he's he and Friday, his new AI, are sitting there going through all of these different options and I'm kind. I kind of had a moment of why hadn't Tony figured this out before? Like, what information did they provide to him that was new information? And I wondered the same thing. And I wonder if it was just the fact that he's been so checked out of that world. Like, maybe he hasn't even thought about it, which seems weird because it seems like his brain is always working. But we're also looking at a new Tony. We're looking at right. family man Tony, who's living with Pepper, who's studying composting by lamp, like by candlelight. So I don't know if it's just it wasn't top of mind anymore, or if he just had kind of shut down a little bit. Yeah, I think I think you're exactly right in that we were seeing a new Tony, and I'm. I'm always going to be curious about that, but we have to suspend disbelief in the movie world. And yes. I guess Tony's just going to like suddenly figure this out. And he um, basically ends up showing up and driving a super expensive Audi super <laughs> recu- recklessly and just pops yeah. out in front of Captain America. I think that that whole like if Captain America just would have like walked out and seen Tony, I don't think it would have been the same effect. Like we needed to see Tony basically racing an incredibly expensive car just around yeah. Avengers HQ to really understand that like, wow, this man is, is something. I will also say just backtracking half of a second there yeah. is Pepper being the one to convince him to do it. I feel like the last 21 movies, Pepper's role has been to tell Tony to stop it. Um, and like to come home to her and all of that. And I felt like this was the first time we saw her be like, no, you have to go. We got really lucky. It's everyone else's turn. And I think it was the one time I was like, oh, thank you, Pepper. Like, that's what I've been looking for, for the last, you know, X number of movies that she's been in. So I really appreciated that they gave her that role of like, no, you have to, you have an obligation to help. It was definitely a redeeming moment for her because I think yeah. we for so long for Pepper have have just kind of been like, 
she just wants to protect the man that she loves or the company that she's built or what have you. And I think in this moment, it was a very big picture thing for her. Um, Absolutely. And I kind of, I was like, that's really selfless because at the moment that she's saying that, and at that point, when you think about the common misconceptions of time travel, at that moment, agreeing to let Tony go would have basically been saying like, I'm okay with this reality not existing anymore. Yes. Which is crazy. It's just crazy. (laughs) And I just think it shows a lot of growth for her too. Like we see a new Tony and we definitely see a new Pepper. Agreed. So agreed. And I, with this next moment of seeing all of the Avengers kind of coming back together, I think that was that moment reminding Tony of like, I have something to lose now is so weighty. And you see that in all of the scenes to follow, Um, especially later on. And I'll mention it now, but we can go into depth later. But when he says, he's just like, just a reminder, Hulk, like you're just bringing people back. You're not, you know, deleting the past five years. You're literally just bringing people back because he doesn't want to lose the little girl that he has or the marriage that he has with Pepper. Absolutely. Um, and, and that being said, we suddenly get all of these characters back. Um, <laughs> and I was very appreciative to see Thor not as the hunky Thor that we have seen um, after so long. I definitely missed short-haired Ragnarok Thor, but I appreciated the fact that we're now seeing Lebowski. Um, that moment was just... It was amazing. <laughs> like, I... <laughs> laughed out loud I was like I cannot believe and the best part is like Chris Hemsworth does not look like that at all so I was even trying to see like where's the CGI where's the fat suit where's the like uh because you can tell it just doesn't fit Chris Hemsworth at all and I think that's why I loved it so much it was it was so just the opposite of everything that we're used to and I could not stop laughing every time he was on screen (laughs) And I realized by the end, I wasn't supposed to be laughing anymore, but I just, every time I chuckled, like at the end when he's wearing his armor and his like beer gut is hanging out under it, like it was great. I'm glad they didn't bulk him back up by the end of the movie. Yeah. Which it would have been a really confusing moment of like, how did you slim down so fast? Like, can I get on that Weight Watchers? Like, is it all the lightning that runs through? Like what's happening? And not like, not only that, in all of these other movies, we've seen him just chugging beers and now he's in new Asgard. And he's sitting playing Xbox with Korg and Meek, which, by the way, thank God they're alive. I was so worried. They're the best. Like, I love the fact that he just, like, hops on Xbox Live and basically, like, cusses a kid out without cussing a kid out. Like, it's great. Yeah. He's like, this is Thor, God of Thunder. And I'm just like, what? What? I love the fact that we're getting this new Thor. And it, it made me happy that we didn't lose Chris Hemsworth in this movie. Spoiler alert. Yes, me too. (laughs) It just, it made me happy that like we, we could potentially get a redeeming Thor movie because Dark World just didn't cut it. Yeah. And I read somewhere that I guess he was getting really bored of the characters. I was reading an article and he really was like, I just don't know if I want to keep doing this. And then they did Ragnarok and he said he felt so like rejuvenated and like ready to go with like that version of Thor that I think we'll definitely see him again because he's feeling really happy with where the character is right now agreed and I'm I'm so happy for him it's like he found his like alter ego because this it just he's too funny not to be funny 
I agree. Um, and that being said, we'll we'll turn our heads to the serious guy of the this getting the band back together, Ronan or Hawkeye. Um, he is out murdering Pika, people in what was it, Hong Kong? Yeah, and we just don't really circle back to that at any point. Like, we don't really get the answer as to why he's doing that. Black Widow's just like, hey, you want to stop and come with me? Yeah, and he's and he's like, don't give me hope. Like, I I kind of sat there, I was like, dang, Hawkeye, you've gone to a really dark place, man. Like, yeah. he's just a gun for hire at this point. Yeah, I wanted to know more of the why. And again, it's a long movie and there was a lot to fit in. But I was like, can I just get like a one sentence as to why you are attacking these people and slaughtering them? Just just like one sentence. That's all I need. Yeah, like I, context would have been great. Um, we had 22 yeah. movies. We can we can afford one sentence. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but after they get kind of everybody back um, in the fold, which they didn't get everyone. There are still plenty of people that we kind of consider in the Avengers that are still alive that aren't there, but I guess they all had a, better things to do. But um, we, they end up coming back to Avengers HQ to get suited up. And um, the moment where Hawkeye and um, the Hulk and Ant-Man are kind of all sitting around talking about how this is not back to the future. And there's kind of that scene explaining how the time travel will work. I thought was really interesting because they didn't really explain it. No. And the way they tie things up at the end, which we can talk about when we get there, doesn't totally fall into how I understood that they were explaining it. And again, I think I need to see it again just to even understand that part. But they went through the whole, it's not back to the future. It's not all of these things. And then they kind of don't follow their own rules in the end. Right. Which I, and I think they are just so used to making plans and following them even when they don't know exactly what the plan is, they're just like, it's not going to be what we think it's going to be. So we're just, yeah. we're not going to do back to the future. It's going to be more of a, and I love that they listed all of these time travel movies. It was such yes. a meta moment of like, oh, you guys get it. Including hot tub time machine, <laughs> which was hilarious. Like that was the best one. Like back to the future and hot tub time machine were the two best like call outs. I really and I think that people are going to go back and watch those movies just to see how the time travel works. Yes, like somebody had to have like petitioned for rights to be able to use those names, and they're like, "By the way, this is going to be in the highest grossing movie of the year, so you may have." And we're going to make fun of you. <laughs> um, and it 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 was definitely a great moment. And then we see um, Hawkeye go and kind of volunteer to go back in time, and he goes back in time and sees his family. And hears them and sees the farm that he probably hasn't been back to since they that he lost them. Yeah, that was another moment that the tears were coming again. I cry easily, and this movie really made it easy for me to cry. That was another <laughs> one that I was like, but he's right there. Like, he can hear them. But if he sees them, then he'll really mess everything up. Yeah, the rules of time travel. You can't yeah, we learned that in Back to the Future. <laughs> exactly. Um, and that being said, like the, he comes back and he's just like, I did it. And he brings back his son's baseball glove, um, which was a really beautiful homage to the beginning of the movie, but a really sad one of like, wow, man, like you stole your kid's baseball glove, like rude. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Hope he has another yeah, one. Seriously. You're going to have to buy him another one in your past life. But <laughs> so then everybody basically gets on their PIM suits, their PIM tech suits or whatever. 
um, which they built pretty quickly. I guess they have like a costume department at Avengers. Yeah, I think they must. <laughs> and I love that they're all like Avengers, you know, monogram is on the side. I'm like, you guys are really extra right now. They really went, they have a brand manager that's really doing some work yeah. on this. <laughs> doing a great job. Doing so well. Their social media manager. <laughs> um, and so we see them like walk up onto the platform and they've decided um, after they had a strategy meeting earlier in the movie and they've decided that they're going to three specific locations. They're going to New York City. Um, they're going to Asgard, Vormir, and that's combined with a trip to Morag as well. Um, because they're going back and they're going to grab the stones from these different points in time, um, which I thought was a really beautiful homage to all of these massive plot points in Marvel cinematic history. Um, and the fact that they are aware enough, it, it was another meta moment where they're like, wait a second, you're telling me that there were three stones within the blocks of New York City all at one time. <laughs> And here we were just like smashing aliens and not <laughs> paying much attention to the others. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think it's the funniest thing in the world. I thought it was hilarious. Was like, I loved it. Oh, it just, it really hit me hard. Um, and then we, so I'm going to kind of go through and we'll go through each location. And this is not, not in any specific order other than the fact that it's just, it's there. But um, <laughs> we have New York City and we have Hulk, Ant-Man, um, Iron Man and Captain America all go to New York City during the events of the first Avengers movie. And we have the statement um, for Captain America. We see a clip replayed of when the Avengers first assemble in that beautiful shot from Avengers where it kind mm -hmm. of circles around them. And then we get the comment that it really, a Captain America's ass is really America's ass. Yes. And it is. It is, if I could have anything framed on my wall, Captain America has to be <laughs> one of them. Um, and it was it was honestly the funniest moment. Up to that point, I really sat there and I kept giggling about it for like 30 minutes. Yeah. It was a solid Tony Stark comment. Oh, God bless it. Um, <laughs> and so we, we see them go through and they go through this process of getting these stones back. They divide and conquer. We see Hulk basically have this moment of like I feel like it's so excessive to just like grunt and run around and like that was hilarious to me him like fake smashing when he's like oh smash oh smash and I was like I I can't I I thought that was wonderful he's such a diva <laughs> yeah <laughs> he was a diva as Hulk and now he's even more of a diva exactly and I think it I think it's hilarious that Bruce Banner is the one of the of that group that ends up getting the Infinity Stone from Tilda Swinton, um, who we see as Sorcerer yeah. Supreme at the time, who's standing on top of what was the, um, what's it called? This I can never say it. Oh, what do they call that? The Sanctum Sanctorum? Yes. I knew it was something like that. So she's standing on, on top of it, and she's fighting the Chitauri, or the Chitauri from that, like, from that view. And I realized, like, oh, we didn't notice if other people were fighting these guys I loved that moment because it really took you out of like yes this was happening in this specific spot but other people were still doing work that you didn't even know about yet that you were years away from knowing about so I loved that seeing from a different perspective what was going on and then her being like oh Dr. Strange is five years in my future he's over there doing surgery yeah like you're a little early <laughs> 
Yeah, I thought that was a great moment. And the fact that she was so aware of like, he's supposed to be the best of us. He's supposed to be in that kind of acknowledgement and call back to that movie. I didn't expect a expect her to be in this movie or B to even be able to speak to what was going on at that time. Um, because yeah. if you watch Dr. Strange, there's a completely different relationship there, but it's an, it's interesting to now look back on it and go like, Oh wait, like she kind of knew what was going on. Yeah. She knew she knew, you know, kind of didn't know the end game, but she knew a little bit more than we thought. Yeah. And the, and the moment where she goes, wait, he told, like he gave it up talking about Dr. Strange giving up the time stone, like, wait, he gave it up. He must've done so for a reason. Maybe I'm the one who made a mistake. And then she just hands it over. Yeah. Just that blind trust in Dr. Strange. Yeah. And, and she makes it very clear to Bruce Banner. And I think that was a good scene to include because she explains, okay, this is how to prevent all of these different time vortexes to branch off from each other, that you just have to take them back and put them in the time and place that you found them, which I thought was yes a great way to explain it. But then it brings up a lot of questions at the tail end of the movie. Yes. <laughs> when we, that that is where I have questions. And yeah, so we'll, it's just a whole question about it. And so then we see, and kind of going to the other team now, going back to Ant-Man, Iron Man, and Captain America, we see Iron Man, go back to Stark headquarters um, right after Loki is captured, literally like seconds after. And this was probably the coolest scene to see the way that they interacted with them, their past selves and how they kind of aged them down. Did you catch the quote of when they're all standing and looking at Loki, which is where that scene ended in Avengers, and then they switched to something else of they're all kind of standing there menacing and like growling at him. And then you hear Tony Stark go, okay, guys, we can stand around posing later. Let's get this done. <laughs> and, you know, you pick up that next moment. And I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> like that he had that, like, we've got to stop standing around posing. We can do this later. I loved that. I, oh, I just, I love the fact that this movie addresses all of the little moments that make this cinematic universe so great. Like that right there, a Tony Stark, a classic Tony Stark moment that addresses of like, okay, like we, do we need to stand or like, is this necessary? Yes. Like we get it. We need like an end title card sequence, but yeah. <laughs> um, and seeing, you know, Tom Hiddleston back on screen with these people who, of whom, God, I love him. Like I do too. Um, I do too. I'm kind of glad he got away, but uh, anyway, uh, so seeing them go through this moment and then we see a callback to Winter Soldier where Captain America is in the elevator with all of these. We think at the time Winter Soldier came along, we thought that all of these people were S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. Turns out they were all HYDRA, which HYDRA is more focused. It's a bigger part of the Captain America and then Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. conversation, um, we don't really get a whole lot of it in the the big cinematic universe, but we get it a lot in the TV universe. Uh, but the moment where Captain America says "Hail Hydra," yeah, was such a funny moment to me because the guy next to me, I kind of sat there and I was just like, "Oh my god, they did it!" And the guy next to me like looked at me and after the movie, he asked why I, like had that reaction. And I was like, "Because that's a that's a comic book moment that a lot of people who are not comic book fans." And I, at the time, I wasn't a comic book fan either when 
this kind of controversy happened, but there was a moment where Captain America was a part of Hydra and he was considered the, the bad guy for a while. Um, wow. And a lot of, I did not know. Yeah. That. It's a whole controversy and I'll put it in the, the show notes as well. So people can kind of read up on it. And that's how I heard about it. And not so much the, the comics, but more of just the controversy that happened online about it. And it was such a cool moment. Cause that for a, a lot of fans, like a lot of people don't know a whole lot about that story arc. Um, so to see Marvel acknowledge that was just, it was just a really cool moment. Yeah, that is awesome. I also liked, and I can't uh, remember, maybe it was Ant-Man that said it, um, when he was like, wait, you thought those were the good guys? They look evil. <laughs> and I was like, he makes a correct point there. Yeah, like, they, look they do look evil. Exactly. And we get a whole sequence following that exchange. And we get a sequence where Tony Stark goes into cardiac arrest because of Ant-Man going inside of him. Yes. Which I thought was hilarious that that was a part of this whole like talk show circuit for Ant-Man of like, oh, you're going to go into Thanos. He went into Tony Stark. Yeah. <laughs> like, I th- I think that that just turned it on its head. And and to see that moment where Loki just kind of like looks around and he has the Tesseract in his hand and he just disappears. That's why Loki is the best. Like he sees the case move and he's like, well, that's interesting. And he was just biding his time and waiting till they messed up so that he could take it. Which poses a lot of questions because in that universe, then technically Loki, technically he was never captured. And then the events of which really messes up our timeline. Exactly. Like, I don't understand how that works now. And I I really want to eventually, if I ever meet the Russo brothers, it's going to be one of the questions I ask, but (laughs) we may get that in the Loki spinoff series of what happened to get him back into the Asgardian prison for later on. Because that leaves some big questions. And that also would change the fact of would Thanos have killed him when he attacked the ship with all the Asgardians. Like then it's like, well, if that didn't happen, then he wouldn't have been on the ship. You know, there's just so much that's missing. Exactly. If he disappears at that moment. Exactly. Um, And so then we (laughs) kind of shifting to talk about Loki and to talk about where we're going next. Um, Before we do that, do you have anything else about New York? No. So we'll, we'll go ahead into Asgard then. Um, And cause this, I think, was one of my favorite moments because the guy next to me, like kind of when, I guess when he put together that we were going back to Asgard in the moments of Thor, the dark world, he just went Natalie Portman. And I realized I was like, Oh wait, like, is she in this movie? Cause it's, it's like known that she doesn't want to be a part of this. But what was interesting is she was on the red carpet. So that's what gave me the first clue. I was like, Whoa, She's on the red carpet, but she's like very vocally distanced herself from this. Like, that's kind of weird. I wonder if she'll show up. And then she did. Yeah. And people were talking about maybe she had just been like lying about it because she was going to turn into the female Thor at the end of this movie. Like if Chris Hemsworth stepped down and I was like, I don't think she would lie about not liking her job. Like, no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't either. feel like that's what you should do. But especially that many years ago, exactly. you know, like. She wouldn't know that's where this was going yet. Exactly. And so we we see that Thor has shown up with Rocket um, to Asgard, which I thought was an interesting pairing. Uh, I love that pairing. <laughs> I think it, it's definitely a cool callback to Guardians of the Galaxy and it being Asgardians of the Galaxy now. 
Um, yeah, I thought it was it was kind of interesting and to see Rocket's kind of witty banter with Thor be so comfortable and basically him being like, come closer, come closer and slapping him in the face to like get him <laughs> up. <laughs> Rocket's the best. And it's weird that it's Bradley Cooper, but that's fine. Yeah, I, I, I've gotten to the point now where I can't see Rocket and Bradley Cooper in the same like every time I think of Rocket, I think of him as a standalone actor. But then people yes. will remind me, like, oh, no, Bradley Cooper voices him. Just just keep that in the back of your head. Um, I know. And I, t- I was reminded of that on the red carpet. I was like, what is Bradley Cooper doing there? Oh, that's right. He plays an animated raccoon. Basically. And it, it was <laughs> such a funny moment because it's Fat Thor and a small yeah. raccoon. The best. That's just the best combination. And I think the, the plan that they came up with was – kind of the perfect plan with rocket because rocket's kind of the heist man. He's kind of the guy who's like, we're just going to hop in and like, I'm going to stab her with this thing and suck the stone out of her. Um, which I thought was an interesting, like, wow, that could, we could have avoided a lot of problems if you could have just stabbed her with something to get the stone out. But again, it was Thor dark world. We can't talk too much about it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Not the greatest. Yeah. But him going off to see his mom was such a touching moment. I know. I loved that because he is struggling. He was just struggling so much. And to have like everyone needs their mom sometimes, you know, and to have that moment with her. It was it was beautiful. And to see I don't know who that actress is. I should have looked that up. But to see her back on screen and in that role, we never got a lot of time with her in the Thor movies. So to see that relationship in this movie really closed a loop. It was really beautiful. Yeah, I loved it. And so then we see Rocket basically take matters into his own hands. And we see Natalie Portman on screen for a very brief moment. And then Rocket just... And she doesn't speak. Yeah, doesn't speak. Very clearly does not speak. (laughs) Which I kind of want to know if there's a deleted scene where, like, Rocket is assaulting Natalie Portman. Yeah, like, where where did that go? And how much did they pay her for 90 seconds of screen time? It probably was, like, a stand-in. Like it had to, I, it, I find it hard to believe that she would have just like sat up from a bed just for, well, you know what? If I got paid a million dollars, I'd probably do that too. Yeah. But I think the thing is she was on the red carpet. So that makes it seem like it was really her. Yeah, she probably was pretty mad when she like showed up. She's like, my whole scene was cut. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. I don't even like you people. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so then Rocket in a cutaway, we don't see him actually like stab her with this little device, but he ends up running into the room when Thor and his mom is ha- are having this moment. And he's just like, Hey man, we got to go. Like we got to get out of here. And Thor is like, hold on one second. And he holds out his hand and he gets Mjolnir back. That really messed with the whole timeline thing again. Yeah. Like how does he take, if he takes it, then, then you're talking about all these other movies. He didn't have it in. Exactly. Like, because he has it, he has it up until a certain point. Like in Ragnarok, that's when he loses it. He does not lose it before that moment. So what what did Thor in Dark World do when he found out that his hammer was missing? Yeah, I'm just saying they did not keep to their time travel rules very well. They weren't supposed to do anything but take Infinity Stones. And instead they're like talking to their moms, taking their hammers. Like, Yeah, it... There are so many questions, and I think that it was purely out of fan service 
But again, I'm kind of like, hold on, guys, let's use some logic. Yeah, it's not working. Exactly. And so then we'll switch over to the other team um, who decided that they were going to go and split up. They were going to go to Vormir and Morag. Um, Vormir is the location that we see um, the Soul Stone in for the first time when we saw that in Infinity War. And first of all, I hate Red Skull. Just yes, agreed. Just hate him. No need to be there. Yeah, like can we just get like a random dude? Like, why does it have to be Red Skull? Uh, it's weird. And then we have this really beautiful scene between Hawkeye and Black Widow. I am going to just. I think that I went into that scene just with a level of. I was like, I'm sure they're going to get the stone some other way. I don't know why I told myself that they were going to magically get it some other way, but I did not want to believe that either one of them was going to have to sacrifice themselves. I was like, no, they're just going to figure out a different way. It's going to be fine. Everyone's going to come home safe. That is not what happened. I totally forgot that that was the price of the soul stone until they got there. And I was like, oh crap. Like they only brought two people and they're both best friends what's going to happen? Like I, it was shocking. It was just shocking. I know. I just did not like it. Not a fan. <laughs> not a fan of it. And so they, they have this. Yeah, that scene was cutting. Yeah, they should have just deleted that scene. <laughs> yeah, we don't need it. Yeah, we don't need to know what happened. Um, nope. But we see them have basically this knockdown drag out fight because they're trying to protect the other one from giving up their life, which was a really beautiful moment. And I kind of hoped that something would happen to where they're like, oh, because you care about each other so much, here's the soul stone for you. Neither one of you have to die. But Me too. that wasn't the case. Nope. And I think for a long period of the movie, I was thinking it was going to be Hawkeye, but it was not. Yeah, I think Hawkeye also thought it was going to be Hawkeye, but... I yeah, I was just shocked. I couldn't believe that that's that's how we lost Black Widow. I don't think that was a good enough ending for her. I I completely agree. And I had a friend mention to me that he was just like, well, you know, she's always been kind of a solo creature. You know, she sacrificing herself in this way is probably the only way to go. And I was like, I really don't think that's true. (laughs) No, I don't. I would have seen her going down in battle before she ever would have done this but hey it was it was a beautiful ending nonetheless yes and so while they're off at Vormir and they're having this this fight essentially and it's really it's a very simple scene like there's not a whole lot to it other than that character moment between the two of them and while that's going on we have this Morag moment um where War Machine and Nebula are in the moment where Guardians of the Galaxy is happening um, the opening of Guardians of the Galaxy where Star-Lord is doing his little dance thingy on Morag fighting with little rats and um, or dancing with little rats and to go get the Power Stone. I love that we got to see that scene again. It is one of my favorites. And we got, like, I just think it's so silly. And we got to see an alternative moment where he gets knocked out, which we don't see. Like we don't recognize a gap between the moment where he wakes up and gets the soul stone or anything like that. Like they knock him out. Yeah. And, and again, that changes the whole guardians movie. Exactly. <laughs> They're taking the soul stone then, or the uh, power stone, like then 
what happened to the whole Guardians Exactly. Movie. That's all of the Guardians movies at that point. Yeah. Um, and also, can I just say that those two together, to have War Machine and Nebula, part, like, anyone with Nebula is a weird partnership, but that one seemed especially strange. I uh, completely agree. Like, it, it just was... I think they tried to make it work when War Machine made the comment about... I, I think he was referring to his paralysis... I yes. think they were trying to make it work, but it just, it just didn't like, but Hey, if it was going to be anyone, I guess that works in that context. I don't know. Um, yeah, I guess so. We'll give it to him. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess it's Marvel. Uh, but then we end up seeing them basically go in and then we have some cutaway scenes um, sprinkled throughout all of this with Gamora, Thanos and Nebula. And this is the Nebula of the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. So this is early Nebula before she turned good. Um, And we see Thanos basically learn about all of these people that he has not met yet. And we see Gamora basically be shown that her sister turns good. And that whole kind of plot, I don't know about you, but it kind of confused me just the placement of it and how it all worked. I think it comes back to our timeline issue. Um, and my husband was actually the one that brought this up that if he finds out about it then, and then he goes forward to, you know, he time travels or whatever time heist, however we're wording it. And he comes and he gets killed. He was technically killed before he got the stones. So it's just like, it's confusing. The whole the whole thing is confusing. And now Nebula gets to come back, but she doesn't come back from the dead. She comes back from the past. I'm with you and it's confusing. Yeah, it just, it's, it's a whole thing. And that this whole movie (laughs) is a whole thing. Yes. I have a lot of questions about time travel. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm going back to school to get my PhD in time travel at this point, just, just to understand this movie. Um, and so basically, and I, I made a note on this of like, Nebula just needs better antivirus protection because at the point her <laughs> past self is hacking all up into her present self mainframe. And it just, she needs to get that under control. I find it amazing that that was even a thing that could happen. Yeah. I was like, but that part was just, and I was like, oh no, here we go again. This wasn't going to be this easy. I knew yeah, it. Yeah, like it, it couldn't have been that simple. And that was kind of, in a lot of ways, I was, throughout the movie, there was always the looming question of, okay, how are, are they just going to snap at the end of the movie and it all turns out okay? There always had to be something bigger, but I didn't let myself acknowledge that. So when all of this started happening, I was like, I mean, I guess, okay, like this is what they're going with. We're doing yeah, it again. I guess we're doing this. <laughs> Um, and so other than that, we, we see Gamora again, she's alive in the past life, um, which there's a cool moment that happens later on with star Lord when he comes back that he like walks up to her and puts his hands on her face and is just like, you're back. And she just kicks his ass again. Like, yeah. just so <laughs> She's like, really this one this guy, it was either that or the tree. <laughs> yeah. I loved um, it. That happens way later on, but it, it's a cool moment to see Gamora show back up and we're like, Oh wait she's she's alive in this and she eventually has to like acknowledge her own fate um because nebula tells her um later on of like he got the soul stone and you were there and you died and it just it's a really cool moment but anyway um do you have anything else about the other worlds that we were on or the other places that we went to 
No, not on that one. Um, so then we go, and because Tony and Cap have lost um, the Tesseract um, in New York, um, they end up having to go back in time, and there's a moment where they're like, I don't know how we're going to get more pin particles. And Tony and Cap have this exchange of, okay, where was Hank Pym and Tony Stark or um, Howard Stark? Where were they both at the same exact time? And they magically know exactly where to go. I know. And they both are like, oh, yeah, you were thinking the same thing I was thinking? Okay, cool. And they don't know a lot about Hank Pym. Like, only Ant-Man knows. No. So, like, how did they – anyway, there were a lot of questions about that scene. Um, Yes. But we see this cool moment where um, Captain America goes in and he is dressed as a soldier. And Tony's obviously dressed as kind of a guy who works in the office, essentially. And he walks in and he hears this guy come up behind him and he turns around and it's his dad. And we finally get to see Howard Stark talk to Tony as an equal and not as just a son. I loved that so much. I just thought like Tony needed that, you know, that moment with his dad, especially considering Tony's fate by the end. I think he really needed to have that conversation. And to see them talk about their kids. And, you know, my wife is pregnant. She could, you know, have a baby any day now. And Tony's sitting there and he's like, I have a kid. Like, I like I have a daughter, you know. And that exchange of a dad talking to his son about being a dad without them knowing is such it, – it really is such a beautiful moment. And it definitely – it made me tear up a little bit. And to see – we see in this whole sequence – For people who are Peggy Carter fans and Agent Carter fans from the TV show, which I personally believe she should have had way more seasons of, but that's fine. We we see Howard Stark getting in the car and we see who used to be Jarvis. Um, Yes, I love that. And to see him get in the car and he goes, I I have no idea who that guy is. Um, It was such a cool moment. And then to shift to seeing Peggy, Captain America goes into her office on accident, not looking into the office he's going into. Yeah. And I, I don't know about you. Like I saw when he walked into that office, I saw the Carter and I was like, Oh my God. Yes, I did too. I was like, Oh, I know where he is. I wanted so badly for her to walk into the door, like in the other door when she kind of disappeared for a second, I was like, Oh, she's going to pop up behind him. And that didn't happen. Yeah. Because I guess that would have been a little bit different than Howard and Tony talking because Howard didn't know Tony as an adult, but she would have been very confused to see him. But that was also, for me, the foreshadowing of the end of Cap's storyline because I was like, oh, I know where this is going. I see where we're yeah, headed. We're, we're going to get there eventually. Like, Let's just remind you, yeah. Captain America, that Peggy Carter exists um, yeah. and that you love her and that you have feelings. And in this scene as well, we also get Stan Lee's cameo, which I thought was hilarious because it was a lot shorter than I was expecting. Yes. And I wonder, is this his last one or if he had filmed one for Spider-Man? I think this was his last one because um, in the Captain Marvel uh, sequence, I saw a behind the scenes thing on it. He had passed just before they filmed Captain Marvel and Captain Marvel was filmed after Endgame. Ah, And so I think... Okay. This was his last one. Yeah, I think that was his last one that he was physically in. Um, and then for the Captain Marvel one, it was bits and pieces of like, I guess he had filmed part of it or something and it was kind of bits and pieces and callbacks to like 
I'm not sure details, but it was, it was a really emotional moment. And when he popped up on screen, the movie theater like erupted into applause. Oh, see, you had a good theater to watch it. in. uh, There was a moment (laughs) when we'll get to it, but when Tony Stark died, the, the teenager sitting down the row from me needed to calm down, but they were having, they were having a moment that was unrelated to the movie. Anyway, Uh. (laughs) so everybody ends up coming back. And um, then we have the moment where Iron Man whips out this gauntlet that he's made, which I think is funny because Thor had to go to a dying star just to get a hammer, (laughs) the same place that Thanos got his gauntlet, but yet Tony can just whip up a gauntlet that can handle the power of the Infinity Stones? Like what? That seems plausible. And and one of my friends kind of defended it, and I think I kind of agree with her on it, in that she was just like, well, if you think about it, like, they were still, like, they still took on a lot of the um, decomposition, I guess, of the stones. Yeah. But not as much as they could have if it were just on, like, a bare hand. But I still was kind of like, that still doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. The gauntlet, like, fully protected Thanos, whereas the Iron Man gauntlet did not fully protect them. It just gave them some protection. So I, I can may- maybe get behind yeah. that. Maybe. maybe it's just that nanotech that he's been working on. Yes. <laughs> um, but we see the moment where Hulk puts it on and he snaps his fingers and uh, resets society. And they walk out and there's this moment of, like, they did it. And there's kind of this moment of breath and who was, it was Ant-Man who walks out and he sees butterflies and birds. And I'm like, please no, please no, please no. We know where this is Like it was too good of a moment. And then we see (laughs) this huge Jatari ship come in and it's Thanos and he's shown up finally. Um, Nebula has invaded the Avengers team or the old Nebula has now invaded the Avengers team and basically gave Thanos the heads up of like, Hey, we're here. Um, and he time travels through the vortex thing that they were using and, (laughs) um, shows up. And then we have the massive attack on the Avengers headquarters in upstate New York. I thought they were all going to die. I thought they did die. I thought that's how they died. Yeah, I was like, oh, oh, okay, that was it. Okay, cool. Like, we're going to find somebody under, like, a beam. Like, it's it's going to be bad. Yeah. And so then we we get kind of the sequence of everybody's trying to fight their way out. Hawkeye's running through a sewer. Um, and then we have Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America all get their shot at Thanos. And... This was the moment I thought for sure Thor was going to die. And I thought for sure Captain America was going to die. I thought Cap was going to die. I was not sold on Thor. Um, but I was definitely thought I had kind of gone into this movie of like, if I have to lose any of the main Avengers, I will give up Cap. And then that's it. That's all I'm willing to give up. Um, it's the only one. And then that didn't happen. Like I thought at that moment that that was it for him. And to see, and when he turns around, and this is a moment that you had mentioned earlier when we were talking, like when he turns around and he hears on your left and that moment, like just, you said this earlier when we were kind of talking before we started recording, but like that moment, like talk me through that moment for you. Oh gosh, as soon as I heard that, so it was a callback to 
I don't rem- even remember which movie it was. Um, they all kind of run together occasionally. Um, oh, it was the but when, it was Winter. I think it was Winter Soldier where we first meet Falcon. It's Winter Soldier, when right? We first meet Falcon and he's running. They're running laps around the Washington, um, the Washington yes. Mall. Yeah, so I couldn't remember which movie it fell into. I remember the scene of where Cap comes up, he's, like, on your left, and he keeps, like, circling him. And so to have that moment of, like, on your left, and they come out, and I was like, oh, my God, look, they're here. And then the circles just keep opening and opening and opening. I was like, oh, my God, they're literally all here. And I had chills. I'm having chills talking about it. And just everyone in the theater finally showed some emotion um, and everyone erupted and there was like cheering and clapping and I'm like grabbing onto my husband, like shaking him and I'm like, it's happening. They're all here. And of course I start crying again because literally to see all of them together was just, just insane to see everyone in one place like we got this it's not a one-man show and it it was just beautiful like I still like like you said getting goosebumps like even discussing that moment and I made this joke of um Dr. Strange being the interdimensional uber driver just transporting everyone everywhere um and just like showing up like oh here's a portal for you here's a portal for you we're all going to the same place and then I loved how he was like, so is that everyone? And he's like, is this not enough? <laughs> like, I literally brought everyone I could think of. Like, everyone I know is here. <laughs> the only people that matter. Um, yeah. And I feel like there's going to be a moment where, like, we we still get more people coming in future movies that, like, showed up through a different portal that just were fighting in the background. I feel like that could happen. Like, Marvel would be like, oh, yeah, by the way, like, all of these people showed up, but you didn't see it because we weren't filming that Yeah, part. they were here. Um, but with that being said, we have a moment where, um, Captain America, we have a callback again to age of Ultron where Captain America holds out his hand and Thor is basically sitting there and we see Mjolnir fly by into Captain America's hand. And Thor's just like, I knew it. That was, I loved that moment so much because I'm like, wait, where's the hammer going? Where's the hammer going? They're like, wait, what? And he's just like, I knew it. And I just thought that was the best moment calling back to Age of Ultron. But just to see him again, I had chills again. There was cheering um, of just him being like, you know, like I feel like Cap always like or not Cap. um, Thor kind of goes on like he's like on his own. And then Cap's like, no, I got this. Like those two are very like individualistic Mm -hmm. a little bit. And for them to like partner together, be like, no, we can do this. I just loved it. And it was it was a moment to see, be, that basically justified Thor getting his hammer back. Yes. Um, again, fan service. The whole movie, just fan service. But it did confuse me a little bit when he had lightning powers. I was like, wait, so do, does the lightning follow the, the hammer or does it follow Thor? And did Thor like let Captain America borrow the lightning too? <laughs> here's some of my lightning. Give it back when you're done. Yeah, just like, here's some powers. Um, I think, though, from what I understood from Ragnarok is that the hammer is just channeling. Like, so it does have the lightning. It channels it. Whereas when he has Stormbreaker, that's Thor. Like, that's his power. Whereas the hammer is channeling the lightning thunder 
stuff. I gotcha. That's kind of what I understood from Ragnarok. Yeah, the science of the MCU is just, <laughs> like I think <laughs> doesn't always hold. Yeah, up. eventually we'll need a whole book, kind of like they do with Harry Potter, of like explaining how the magic yeah. works. Um, <laughs> uh, but with in those scenes, we also get a. It was a powerful moment for me. Um, to see all of the female superheroes when Captain Marvel gets the gauntlet. I I loved it so much. Like that might have been one of, I, I can't list a favorite scene, but it was just so, when they all start piling in and I felt like I was the most excited person in my theater. And I was like, am I watching this <laughs> with all dudes? Like, like what's happening in here? This is amazing. And you just look around and you go, right, right. And nobody's acknowledging you. <laughs> Anyone? Someone be happy. And it was because we're seeing all of these superheroes. We're seeing Valkyrie rescue. We're seeing um, Captain Marvel. We're seeing Black Widow. All of these is strong. We're seeing um, Letitia Wright's character like show up, Suri, and she's showing up and she's like, "Hey, I'm just gonna like kick butt and take names. Like, what's up? I like, got this." And it honestly, I've never, I've never had an experience of seeing so many female superheroes on screen at the same time. It was oh, it never definitely fan service for me because I walked out and I was just like, I'm gonna go be a superhero for myself. But can I also say, I think this is a great time to say, I thought that Captain Marvel was going to have a lot more to do with this film. The way that post credit scene was set up with you know, they have to call her and she's gonna come save the day. Then we watch Captain Marvel and we see that she can like totally just like kick ass and take names and it's totally fine. And then we get here and I'm like, so she was like in the first 20 minutes for five minutes. And then she like randomly shows up at the five year time jump. And then she shows up at the end of the battle. I was like, I felt like we could have used you a little bit more. Exactly. And I, and I think that was a complaint of a lot of people after seeing Captain Marvel was that she's too powerful. She's a deus ex machina for all of this. Like, Literally, she could walk in and end Thanos with just, like, a snap, essentially. Um, and to see her come back, I was kind of like, where have you been? Like, you're missing out on all the fun. Yeah, what like, you doing? Yeah, and it was definitely kind of a, I'm glad you're here, but you could be doing other things other than basically playing rugby with a gauntlet. Like, yes. drop it, let someone else carry it, or, like, fly someone to take it. Like, you could be doing so much yeah. more. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely felt that way. And I know that, so she filmed Endgame before she filmed Captain Marvel. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it. Like maybe they hadn't fully fleshed out the Captain Marvel story and like how strong she is. I don't know, but I thought it was just a little, a little bit of a letdown. Yeah, for sure. It was, it was a little bit of a poo-poo moment, but um, something cool that I found um, in talking about that kind of homage to all of those powerful women um, is that in the comics version of the of the Marvel Universe, um, there's actually a comic book run that is an ent- entire team called A-Force that are made up entirely of women. Um, there's Okay, when do we get that That's movie? what I'm saying. Like, are we going to – is this, like, a hint that we're getting that movie? Like, I hope can we please? So. <laughs> what do I need to do? Do I need to petition Marvel? Yeah. Because yeah, I will. I'll tweet them every I'll day. I'll stand on that stoop right now. Um, and that being said, we see, um, rescue there. We see, which I think lines up pepper pots to be there for the moment where she says goodbye to Tony, which I don't, I don't want to talk about it, but we're going to have to. Um, yeah. I mean, we can make it short and depressing. Exactly. It's, it wasn't a pleasant moment, 
But to see him put mm-hmm. on that gauntlet and basically Thanos says, I am inevitable. And we think Thanos is going to snap his fingers again and wipe out. At this point, he's like, I just hate everyone. I'm just going to kill everyone. Yeah, you're all gone. And he says, I'm inevitable. And he lifts his hand. And we see the camera cut to his hand snapping or his fingers snapping. And nothing happens. And Ugh. you see Tony kind of standing there. And I, I sat there. I was like, oh, my God. Like, what happened? What, like, what just happened? And then Tony, we see his hand come up. And he's got the stones on his hand. And he goes, I am Iron Man. And I just feel like he could have passed the gauntlet to someone else. He got it, so just give it to someone else. You know you can't withstand that. You know you were going to die. And don't put me through this. And that was, I think, a moment where when he looked at Doctor Strange and he said, you saw X number of realities. And Doctor Strange, there was a moment where he's just like, if I tell you, it's not going to come true. And then there's another moment where Tony looks at him and and Dr. Strange holds up his hand and he just, he says, this is it. Like, this is the one. And to know that the only possible way that they would have won is if Tony sacrificed himself. That's a lot riding on a guy who is known for not being the most selfless person in the room. Yes. And this was the part where I had to hold back actual sobs Like, I was freely crying, but it was, I wanted to full-blown noisy sob. I, like I said, Tony Stark is my favorite Avenger, and I wanted it to be Cap more than, I like, I just did not want to lose Tony Stark. It was very rough on me. I completely agree. It just, it's not, it's not right. It's not right. Like, it, no, it's not. I would have been fine with him retiring. Like, this is it. He saved the world. Go live out life with Pepper and Morgan. Solid, awesome. That's what I wanted for him. And it would have been, I think in this case, like, the way that they did it, though, was such a redeeming moment for him that I, if it had happened any other way, I would have been much more angry than I am. And, again, back to having a new Pepper, the way that she handled that was like really beautiful. Like, you know, you can rest now. We're okay. Uh, You know, that was just, here I am wanting to cry, just thinking about it. Um, But the way that she did that was beautiful and it wasn't selfish at all. It was very selfless the way that she did that as well. It was basically her kind of operating from the audience's perspective of like, I mean, obviously we have a very different reaction now because we lost Robert Downey Jr. Um, in this yeah. moment yeah. from the MCU, but it's very much a, it's okay. Like you have done so much for us. And it's, it's really yeah. her kind of saying to that character of like, you have done enough. You are, you're good. You can go. Um, which we got to eulogize Tony Stark and go to his funeral which Ugh. I don't understand why Black Widow didn't get a funeral, but that's fine. I get it. Um, but She's a woman, so what can you yeah, expect? She doesn't get a funeral or anything. <laughs> she doesn't have family. Who needs to mourn her? Um, wow, that, that just <laughs> got really dark. Um, but <laughs> we see this funeral, and it was a kind of a cool moment because we see almost every MCU character that not only were, were not in the fights, but we see Happy Hogan. We see... Um, What's his face? The general who was Incredible Hulk, who turned out to be the secretary, um, Secretary yeah. Ross. 
Um, we see him. And then we also see the kid from Iron Man three who he was in, he was the kid who was standing by himself. Uh, and he was, that he had up. grown up and he was the kid that Tony had kind of mentored and to see that and to, to, to watch that. And I think we're going to have to go back to, um, Tom Holland here in a second and Spider-Man and to see Spider-Man's reaction to Tony dying. Um, I think it was such kind of this moment of like, Tony has had so many kids that have looked up to him um, and so many people that he's had an impact on that I don't think he ever really realized. But one person that was missing, I don't know if you noticed, which again, there was a callback to this a little bit later um, with the Guardians, but Gomorrah was not there. I did not notice that. So she was not there. So Nebula was there, um, but Gomorrah was not there, which I understand that now this version of Gamora didn't know Tony, but I would think that she would be there to like support her sister and kind of be there, but she was not there. And then if you notice at the end when Thor is on the Guardian's ship, um, he's searching the universe for her. Yeah, which I think is incredibly interesting in the context of that timeline conversation of like, did she, did she make it? Like, does her death, like, is she actually no longer dead or is, cause I would have think that they would have had that conversation of like, Oh, well the people who still died still died. Because they did. We didn't see Loki come back. Yeah. Gamora technically didn't come back. She time traveled. And who else did we, there were quite a few that like, they didn't come back. It's such, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with that in guardians three. Um, because yeah. I, I think we I think we're gonna need answers to that question. But that's that's such an interesting I really hope we get them. <laughs> um and so then we're we get this moment where Bruce Banner is gonna follow up on his promise and he is going to put the stones back right in the moments that they left. Which again, Cap, how did you know where all of these stones came from if you were not there when they were all taken? But it's fine. Whatever. Marvel <laughs> logic. It's okay. <laughs> The second, so like I said earlier in the movie, I thought, hmm, I think he's going to find a way to go back um, and be with Peggy. And then the second they said he's going by himself, I was like, well, he ain't coming yep, back. No way, no how. He is, he is going to be with Peggy, which timeline issues galore. Yeah, which it causes some problems, but it also answers a lot of plot questions. Um, and I, I knew by the end of this movie, Chris Evans was not going to be an Avenger anymore. I going in, yes, he's made he that has clear. made that clear that he wants to transition into like directing or different projects, which is great. So good for you. But at this point in the movie, he was still around and we only had like 15 minutes left. Like yeah. did Thanos show back up and stab him? Like what happened? <laughs> and so we see this moment where, you know, bringing him back in five, four, three, two, and nothing like no one's there it, it he's he literally just he's gone and then they turn around and there's this old man sitting on a bench mind you they just had this massive battle so like an old man sitting on a bench is a little weird to see yes and we figure out that this is captain america and when and this moment kind of got me in my feelings too because a few years 
a few years ago, Sebastian Stan was at a press conference and he was talking about how he got cast as the Winter Soldier. Um, and he was basically like, well, he'll turn into Captain America. And so in this moment, I was like, this is where it happens. Like, this is the moment. Oh. And because it has been t- widely talked about that if he confirmed it in this way, obviously it must come true. And so the moment when they both walk up and then Sebastian Stan looks at um, Anthony Mackie, Falcon, and he's just like, you go ahead. Which is Which weird. was weird to me because I was like, y'all have had a weird relationship on screen for a while. And then yeah. basically Cap turns to Falcon and is just like, it's your turn. I was, I didn't know how to feel about it. I mean, I'm really excited for Anthony Mackie. Like, that's a big a big shield to carry, but it was kind of, it took me by surprise. I sometimes wonder if when these guys accidentally spoil things such as that, um, because I bet he probably wasn't supposed to say that. I wonder if they change future plans once something has been spoiled, like, Ooh, we can't do that now because people know. I, I wonder the same thing because that was, I mean, that was the way people were operating for a long time, especially after Chris Evans announced that he no longer was going to be cap or not announced, but basically like alluded to the fact that he wasn't going to be Captain America. And we all knew his contract yeah, was up. Like it was not a secret. So like they it was common knowledge that someone would be stepping into that role and it was most likely going to be Bucky Barnes taking over as as Captain America. But now in the comics, it is Falcon who turns into Captain America. Um Which, I mean, I guess it's, I guess comics are now, like, it's informing that universe, but it definitely took me by surprise, but I am really excited to see a Captain America that is played by Anthony Mackie. I think he has really deserved it. He's worked for it. Um, And it's going to be interesting to see him fill that role. Yeah, I'm excited. I think he'll do a great job. For sure. And so with, with that, it kind of wraps up the movie other than the moment where we see a flashback to what Captain America's life has been like living with Peggy Carter and dancing in their living room. Again, (laughs) because I think where this really comes into play of like, it messes up the timeline is um, he can't age. So how did he magically age? Did he like have it reversed when he got back there? You know, how did he age And my second question is, that's really confusing for when he said goodbye to Mm -hmm. her in, uh, was it Winter Soldier? I believe so. That he said goodbye to her and then kissed her niece. Yeah, it's definitely a weird, it's, it has me questioning, like, did she not try to tell him, like, by the way, I've been married to you for the past 50 years? Like, what... It really makes me question that. But at the same time, there have been so many questions around Peggy Carter's life after a certain point. Um, We saw with the Peggy Carter show that she was courting this guy um, named Sousa. And he was, you know, a lot of people assumed that they ended up getting married. And that was the man that she had kids with and grew, grew old with. And he ended up dying later on. But in this movie, it basically confirms that it was actually Captain America that she basically had a life with, which you would think her niece would know who her uncle was. Yeah. 
Yeah, you would think that and that she wouldn't Yeah, kiss it him. just it seems like a weird thing. Maybe I don't know. It I wonder if they made this decision if this was one of like they changed. Like they shot Winter Soldier and then in the last couple of years they're like, "You know what? I think we're going to end his story this way." And we're just going to pretend those other things didn't. Yeah, happen. it it had to have been something like that because it doesn't it just doesn't make sense any other way. Like people had to have known that she was married and who she was married to. Like in that universe. Yeah, and someone would have told him at some like, point. Like, oh, you look exactly like this woman's ex-husband. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Marvel Logic <laughs> strikes right. again. Um, we don't have yeah. a post-credit scene. Um, we walk out of the movie with our hearts broken and our hearts just in, in pieces. Yes. Uh, um, so that that kind of wraps up the whole movie um, in a tight little boat. Any other points or anything that you want to make or any cool moments that we may have missed? I think the only thing that I loved that we didn't talk about was when um, Cap is fighting Cap um, in 2012. Oh, yeah. And 2012 Cap says, I can do this all day. And 2019 Cap says, yeah, I know. And it's just kind of like you can see how he's evolved as a character because he's like, God, you're so annoying in 2012. But like, I thought that was an interesting thing to see. I thought it was And to, to not only have that acknowledge like 2012 cap also says like i found loki like i love how that's their like automatically their brain goes to oh it has to be loki like it's just yes. it's hilarious to me and then um he knocks cap out and he goes dang like that is america's ass <laughs> like, <Yes>. like <laughs> you're man it just it got me in my feelings like to know that we're never gonna see um Steve Rogers back in the Captain America suit. It it hurts. Guess we'll just have to watch this movie on yeah, repeat. Can it come out on DVD or instant <laughs> release or something? <laughs> Netflix. Yeah, let's something. let's get it quick. Um, so yeah. looking ahead, um, we have a lot of questions we need answered, as we've said throughout all of this. Um, so <laughs> it, from your perspective, what are what do you need to see in the, in the movies going forward from the MCU? What are you wanting to see? What do you need to see? What is, what's kind of your big, um, your big questions? I really want to see more women mm -hmm. um, just in general. I think that Captain Marvel was a great start. Um, I think it can be done even better. I thought it was great, but I think that we have some phenomenal women in the MCU right now that can really carry a movie. Um, I'd like to just do a movie like the women of Wakanda. I don't need that anyone would be else. Amazing. Like, can I just see? What oh they my do? gosh. <laughs> sort of follow them around. Um, so I want that. And I know we still have a lot of sequels coming up and things like that. So I'm excited about those. Um, and this is where I have to tell on myself. I have not, there's one Marvel film I have never seen and it is Spider-Man. Oh my gosh. So I'm going to watch that. And then I am very excited for the next, because I love Tom Holland. It's not, um, that I have not tried to see it, but it just, you know, without blockbuster, it's very hard to see movies. Exactly. Sometimes. Completely agree. Um, <laughs> and so since you mentioned it, like looking ahead to the movies that we have, we have Spider-Man Far From Home coming up. Um, and that comes out on July 5th of 2019. And that's the next MCU movie that we have in the lineup that's closing out phase three. So this movie um, 
now that we have it confirmed that Spider-Man is back, that movie is supposedly supposed to take place immediately following the events of Endgame, which we had a five-year time jump and none of Spider-Man's friends grew up. Yeah, they're all still in high school. So, like, did they all get snapped? Lots of questions. Lots of questions. Yes. But that's really what I need from the MCU is I need to understand their version of time. Exactly. I need the whole book at this point. Um, And so we have that coming up. We also have rumors of a Black Widow solo flick. Um, We also have the TV spinoffs that are coming from Disney. We have WandaVision, Loki show, Black Widow, um, a Black Widow show if the movie doesn't pan out. But I think the movie is already in casting. So I I don't think that's going to be a TV show, but um, and then we also have Winter Soldier and the Falcon. Um, they're supposed to be getting their own spinoff show. Um, and all of this is going to be on the Disney Plus platform, which I think is interesting because a lot of these characters are dead. Vision's gone. Um, Loki is technically gone. Black Widow's definitely gone. Um, and then we also have Falcon now taking over for Captain America. So it's there are a lot of questions up in the air about it. I wonder if this is another, some of them. So I think maybe the one that has um, Falcon, they probably didn't tell us the real title because then they would spoil Endgame. True. So that might be a little bit of that. Um, and then I saw something on Black Widow that it could possibly be a movie slash show during those five years that she's running S.H.I.E.L.D., Or it could be an origin story. I think we have enough of her origin story that we don't necessarily need that. I would rather see that five-year time gap of, like, how did it go running S.H.I.E.L.D.? And then we could get some highlights from from some of our favorite people popping in and out. Um, All in all, I am pumped for Disney Plus and all of the new content that is going to come with that. I So I take it you're going to be a subscriber. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Um, I've already put the date on my calendar. Um, I'm ready for November. Like, <laughs> cannot it's wait. It's going to be, I, I think this is going to threaten some of what Netflix and Hulu has to offer for sure. Well, if you notice, Netflix has been, has canceled or is about to cancel all of their Marvel content. Which is. So I think that kind of, they're worried about the Disney yeah. plus. Or Disney's making them cancel yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. It's, they probably have just revoked all of their distribution rights, which that's a whole – that I'm, I'm interested to see where all of the MCU goes because Disney has just acquired a lot of properties that they didn't previously have. Um, so I'll ask this, you know, with Fantastic Four and the X-Men, are, do you have any, like, hopes to see them, you know, a new movie from those um, – from – those properties or you have any expectations or any excitement around that? I think that fantastic four has kind of been done. I think we're good where it's at. Um, what I really want to see is uh, I would love to see Deadpool crossing oh gosh, over yes. with the Avengers. Um, my husband made that comment when everyone came out in Avengers for the final battle, he leans over and he goes, but where's Deadpool? I was like, he's on Fox right now. Um, so I would love to somehow get a crossover there because Deadpool is wonderful. Um, so I would love to see something like that, something different. For sure. I, I am really interested to see what they end up doing with 
Deadpool because they've Disney has said like we're gonna keep him his R rated self, but Disney's not known for making R rated comedies. No, they um, are not. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how that works out. But in other movies that we have coming out, um, we have The Eternals, which Angelina Jolie is set to potentially star in, as well as Camille Nagiani. Um, we also have Guardians Three, Doctor Strange Two, Black Panther Two, which thank God we get another one of those because that. Such a good movie. Oh, I know. Um, and then we have the first Asian superhero in the MCU, which is going to be Shang-Chi. Or I probably didn't pronounce that right. I've been literally mumbling half my words in all of this. But, um, <laughs> but that's going to be a movie that's come out that Kevin Feige has said that he's really excited about. Um, I'm excited about that. I just want to see something different. I think that, like you know, Black Panther, seeing more people of color, seeing more women, seeing all of that. That's what I think I'm most excited about. Yeah. And and I think phase four is going to bring us everything that we want and more from that, because I think, um, and, and they've said in the MCU, like we don't have just kind of one trick characters. We don't have just white males. And I think them diving into their back catalog of all of these characters that they have decades and decades and decades of and giving us characters that we've never heard the stories of before are is going to be incredibly important. And I think with we saw Into the Spider-Verse this year do very well. It won an Oscar, and it was about a Spider-Man who we had never heard of before outside of the comic universe for Miles Morales. And I think mm-hmm. that potential to see – I think Tom Holland only has like two more movies left in his contract that he's set to appear in as Spider-Man – so the potential. I need to see Tom Holland all the time. <laughs> I would love though. to see Tom Holland like become old it. Spider-Man and just like pass it on to someone else. Like he's just such yes. a little cutie. And it's probably really bad for me to think that, but whatever. I mean, he's over 18. It's, it's fine. Like he's, he's ador- adorable. He's precious. Like he just, uh, anyway, he just, he can be Spider-Man forever. I think he's the pitch perfect Spider-Man and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to Spider-Man Far From Home. And see, I was a huge fan of the very original Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire, even though he was like 30 (laughs) playing a 16-year-old. So that is why I've never watched any of the others because I was like, no, Tobey Maguire is my Spider-Man and I love him and it's fine. And then when I saw Tom Holland in Civil War, I was like, oh my gosh, he's so cute. We have to go back and watch that movie. So I'm like a total Tom Holland super fan. I just need to go back and watch this movie. You will love it. Like I loved him coming. I know that I will. Was, I was just being a brat the first time. You just time. have to give yourself time. Just like this movie gave us three hours <laughs> to love the MCU. So do you have yes. any final thoughts or any parting words about the movie or anything? If people are already not convinced by this podcast or by all of the reviews, <laughs> is there any parting words that you'd like to give people about this movie? Go see it ASAP and stay off of social media until you've seen it because there are spoilers everywhere. I completely sure. agree with that. Um, thank you so much. Do you have any, where can people find you online? Get, give us all of your details. Oh gosh. So my Instagram is at Leslie underscore dice. And I recently started a bookstagram for all of my nerdy books and movies, um, which is at chocolate with a side of books. Um, 
So either of those two places, if you want to talk books or Marvel, that's the best place to do it. We will definitely give that a follow. And thank you so much for being with me tonight. I appreciate it so much. This has been a blast and we'll have you back on the podcast soon. Um, As always, keep in touch with us online at The Real Citizen. I'm going to be going through and um, answering some questions about upcoming movies. If you have any recommendations for what you want us to see, whether it's on Netflix, in theaters, anything like that, please let me know. Also, I want some guests on the podcast. If you're interested in being a guest with us, please let me know. I would love to have you on. I'm excited for what's to come. Join us as we continue on this weird and wacky journey. Like I said, follow us at The Real Citizen or Real Citizen Pod on Instagram, and we will catch you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.